listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture reading is from the uh, second chapter, sixth chapter of Mark, uh, verses 45 to 56. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when he saw them walking... But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks for that reading, Jim. <clears throat> How's this holding up? I know I'm sweating, so I'm like, I'm going to be self-conscious. This holds. Oh, wait, what's that? Wait till I see it. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I should do a selfie. Um, it's going to be back in worship today. Uh, if you're here with us last week, you know that I wasn't. Uh, I was off last week. I want to give a big thanks to Pastor Alicia, who covered the pulpit uh, last Sunday. She did a wonderful job. Um, if you, if you weren't here or if you missed the sermon somehow, definitely go on our website and uh, give that a listen. I was on retreat last week. Uh, I went down to the Notre Dame Retreat Center uh, down at Canandaigua. Had a really great time there. I spent about, uh, about four days in uh, just like quiet and prayer. Um, I know we've got some retreaters here. We've got folks who've gone on spiritual retreats before. Um, if you haven't and you ever have the chance to just get away for maybe a day or a weekend... Uh, to spend time in silence and solitude and prayer, I would highly recommend it. Um, a lot of these retreat centers, there's, there's um, Abbey of the Genesee, which isn't too far from here, and uh, Notre Dame and Canandaigua. A lot of them will feed you. Uh, they'll even give you room and board, and it's usually pretty cheap. Sometimes it's just like a donation. So seriously, if you get a day or a weekend to go, uh, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, we are in the season of Lent. It was awesome to see so many folks uh, come out for the labyrinth this past Wednesday and receive ashes. That was a really meaningful time. Um, I know, though, that not all of us come from a church tradition uh, where Lent is observed, especially in Baptist circles. Um, Lent is often regarded as a Catholic thing. Um, if you were raised Catholic, maybe you like had to give up chocolate or fast, things like that. I see, I see people uh, nodding. Um, 
But um, Lent isn't just a Catholic thing, so I just want to put that to bed real quick. Um, Lent is actually one of the oldest holy seasons in the church. It goes all the way back to the third century, the like late 200s. Um, this practice of preparing ourselves um, for Holy Week and uh, when we celebrate and remember the death and resurrection of Christ. Uh, it's a 40-day season. Uh, some people do choose to fast during Lent. Others will add a practice, uh, maybe try uh, to pray daily or read the Bible every day, something like that. Uh, it's a season, though, to slow down, to reflect, to look over our own lives, um, and to kind of reset ourselves. Um, and along those lines, if you are looking for a new practice to take on, if you need another, a little uh, prompt for prayer, uh, you're going to find, along with a lot of other stuff, something new in your bulletin. Um, we've got an insert this week uh, called AMPM. It's a prayer guide you can use for morning and evening prayer. Uh, there's daily scripture readings. There's a prayer. We're going to be updating this every week um, through Lent and putting it in your bulletin. So if you're looking for something to use as just a new kind of tool uh, in your walk with God to take things deeper, um, you've got that. Now, sometimes uh, we'll actually change things up in worship. Like pre in past years, we've done like Lenten teaching series. We're sticking with Mark this year, though, um, although we're entering into kind of a dark section of Mark. Uh, last week, Pastor Alicia preached on the rejection of Jesus in his hometown in Nazareth. That's kind of a sad story. Um, our reading this week should have been the beheading of John the Baptist. Uh, we'll get to that next week with, with the kids in the service. I thought that might not be the best, the best passage to look at today. Uh, so parents, you're welcome. Um, but we'll be circling back to that one uh, next week. For today, though, we're going to talk about the story where Jesus walks on water. Uh, this one's a classic. This is a story that shows up in three of our four Gospels. It's in uh, Matthew, Mark, and John, um, although Matthew and John add some details to it. Um, if you remember, Mark is probably the earliest gospel to be written. Mark's gospel is probably first. The other gospel writers borrow from Mark uh, and flesh out a lot of the details that he omits. So if you know the version of the story where Jesus walks on water and Peter actually gets out of the boat and like walks to him and then he sinks, that's in Matthew's version. It's not in Mark's. Mark doesn't give us that detail. Mark gives us this story right after the feeding of the 5,000 which we also skipped. We'll get back to that in a couple weeks. Um, but Jesus has just gotten done feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. He then immediately tells his disciples to get in a boat and head across the lake while he goes up on a mountain to pray. Jesus takes a little, a little retreat right before Lent. Not really, but there you go. Stole my idea. Um, the sun goes down, though. The story tells us the sun goes down. Jesus looks out at the sea, and he sees the disciples struggling with the wind. They're, they're straining at the oars. For fishermen, these guys kind of stink at sailing. Right? He sees them. He sees them really wrestling. And um, so naturally, Jesus, like any of us probably would do, um, walks on the water to go out to them and declare peace. I love this. Uh, Mark presents this like it's no big deal, like it's not a big thing at all. Uh, Mark 6, verse 48. <clears throat> when Jesus saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by. <laughs> Which, like, can't, 
Can you imagine? Put yourself, put yourself in the boat with the disciples for a minute. Use some imagination. You're struggling against the wind. The, the oars are straining. You know, there's probably waves crashing over. This is potentially a life or death situation. And then Jesus just walks by on the water like nothing's going on. Like, hey guys, went out for a stroll. You know, looks, looks like you're having a hard time there, right? Like that, that's the, the image I have here. Um, I thought this picture on the front of our bulletins actually captures it pretty well. Um, put in the slides, too. Um, this is a, a contemporary painting by Brian Whelan. He's an Irish artist. Um, you've got Jesus just, like, walking by. The disciples are freaking out. Uh, one guy's covering his eyes. Another guy's got his arms up. Um, other dude looks like he's going to swat at the lightning bolt with an oar or something. Um, and I'm not sure if it's just a perspective thing or if Jesus is 30 feet tall in this picture, but it is a wild picture. What is going on here? Why would Jesus pass them by? I thought about this a lot this past week, um, did some research. I looked up other instances in the Bible when God passes people by. My first thought was Passover. Um, if you've heard of Passover, that's from the Exodus story, the Moses story, the 10th plague when the angel of death basically passes over the houses of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. Um, That's where my mind went at first, but I quickly discovered that's a totally different thing. God does pass people by in Scripture, but it's not connected to Passover. Instead, in the Old Testament, when God passes by someone, it's almost always during a time of hardship as a way to remind them that God is present with them. I'll say that again. When God passes someone by, it's usually during a time of hardship to remind them of God's presence. There are two famous examples of this uh, in the Old Testament. The first is from Exodus 33. This is right after the golden calf incident. You might know this one. Um, Moses has just presented the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, if you've seen the movie. Um, The Israelites are like, got it, Moses, check. You can count on us. No idols, no other gods. Perfect. And he goes back up on the mountain, and then the Israelites collect all their gold and melt it down to make an idol that they can worship which, like, of course they do. And Moses, Moses comes back down. He's furious. He smashes the Ten Commandments. You guys know this story? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, sip, a setback. Moses is feeling dejected. He's feeling like his leadership has failed. Then God calls him back on the mountain, and God passes Moses by. God has Moses hide behind a rock because, like, no one can see God and live. But God's presence passes by Moses. Moses actually gets to see God's back, basically. It's this very strange and kind of beautiful story where God shows up to pass by Moses and affirm that God is still with him. That's Exodus 33. The other famous example of this um, is 1 Kings 19. This is a lesser-known story. Uh, It's when the prophet Elijah has to flee. He has to run for his life because there's an evil king and queen in Israel who are killing all the prophets and destroying all the the holy places. Um, And so Elijah hides out in a cave, and God's like, what are you doing in this cave? And Elijah goes, do you see what's going on? You know, (laughs) your prophets are being killed. I'm the last one left. But God's like... Don't worry, I'm with you. 
And God has Elijah go to the front of the cave, and God passes by Elijah. So as strange as this may seem, as weird as it might be to think of Jesus just kind of passing by the disciples, there's actually something profoundly beautiful happening in this passage. The disciples are in a boat during a storm, fighting for their lives. And we've been here before, right? Like, like a month ago, we had the story where the disciples were in the same, they're in the same boat, literally. Um, they're in a storm, and Jesus was asleep inside the boat, and he gets up and calms the wave. This time, though, Jesus isn't with them in the boat. They don't have Jesus in their back pocket to calm the storm, so they're terrified. Jesus sees them struggling, so he walks out on the water to comfort them and remind them of his presence. It doesn't work, though. Jesus' appearance does not have the intended effect. Uh, When the disciples see him on the water, they assume he's a ghost, and they freak out. Um, There's some irony going on here, because uh, in a couple verses, they're going to land in, like, this new place, and the people there are going to recognize Jesus right away. So, like, the disciples don't recognize him, but the other people do. It's, I see what you're doing, Mark. Um, But his own disciples don't recognize him. Um, The strangers do. We could probably cut the disciples some slack. They didn't expect to see him walking on the water. So Jesus comforts them. He tells them, don't be afraid. It's me. He gets in the boat, and the storm and the winds cease. What a fascinating story to kick off Lent. Um, Lent can be kind of a downer. Am I right? Like, Lent can be a little bit of a bummer. Uh, This is true, actually, even for pastors. Um, A few weeks ago, a clergy colleague of mine sent me this meme. Um, It's from The Office. In the top picture, you got Dwight Troop. Uh, he's, he's at a party enjoying himself. It's labeled Pastors in February. Just to kind of fill this in, if you're a pastor in February, you are coasting. You've made it through Advent and Christmas, pretty much the most, like, the most hectic, busiest time of year. By February, you're good. You're relaxed. You've probably taken some time off. And then, bam, Lent just sneaks up on you like an ex-girlfriend. It's like, whoa, you know, like, that's exactly what's going on here. <clears throat> Um, I also know this might be generational, um, like not all of us have probably seen The Office, so I went um, with, I got another one, another meme for you, this one's from Home Alone, um, and it says, when you realize that Lent's only a week away, right, um, same basic idea, um, Lent can be stressful even for pastors. This is something that I think connects the clergy and the laity. We dread Lent sometimes. It's like, oh no, it's Lent again? (laughs) It's like that time of year when like winter just won't go away. People are talking about sin and shortcomings. People are fasting, giving up chocolate. I don't want to do any of that. There's so much in our world to be stressed about as it is, right? There's so much happening. Um, You've got the pandemic, Right now, which seems to be ending, right? I can see most of your faces, which is progress. My kids went to school this week without masks for the first time in two years. First time ever for Zeke. We got a kid cheering up there. Excellent, Eliana. Um, but, like, we've been here before, right? Like, there have been times before when the, when the pandemic was, was almost over, and it's like, fool me once. So, you know, there's that anxiety. 
Um, on top of that, you've got the economy, right? Gas is like 415 now. Inflation is up all over the world. Um, Aaron and I bought a new car back in December because a tree freaking fell on our old one. Um, and it's not here yet. Two months. This better be some car. Um, and then on top of all that, on top of the pandemic and the economy and any other just kind of personal stuff we're wrestling with, you've got all this stuff happening in Europe right now with Russia and Ukraine, all the terrible images um, on the news, the heartbreaking stories coming out of there. You've got countries like Germany talking about militarizing, which like last time that happened, it didn't work out too well. You know, it's, it's, it's really scary. In a world like ours, a world full of chaos, Lent can feel like just another thing on top of all these other things, another burden, another bit of bleakness on top of our already kind of bleak existence. But what if we've got Lent all wrong? What if that's not what Lent is about at all? What if the ghost we see approaching us on the waves isn't a ghost at all, but it's actually Jesus coming to pass us by and invite us into his peace? What if God isn't just furious with us? What if God isn't just another terror in a never-ending line of terrors? But what if God, this Lent, is coming to us on the storm to affirm us, to pass us by, to bring comfort, to remind us that he's still with us? What would it look like to allow God to pass you by in this season of Lent? What might it look like to find rest in God these next 40 days? How can we use this season to taste, to experience a little bit of that peace that passes all understanding? Is there something you need to give up this Lent for your own health and well-being? Something that's robbing you of joy, stealing away your peace? Maybe you've been stress eating. You're starting to feel it. (laughs) I know I am. It's bad when the sweatpants start getting tight, right? Um, (laughs) We have a problem. Um, Maybe Lent can be a time to rethink your eating habits and maybe establish some boundaries there. Maybe you're drinking more than usual, more than you should. Maybe Lent's a time to check some of that. Is there a fast you can do this Lent for your own health and well-being? Before I left for my retreat, um, I deleted all social media apps from my phone. Um, I didn't, like, cancel my accounts or anything. I'm not, like, fasting from social media, but, like, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, just took it all off my phone so I wouldn't have the distraction. Um, And for a couple days there, there were definitely times I'd be, like, reading something. It's like, oh, i got to share that oh, I don't have it anymore. You know, like that, that was definitely a thing for maybe a week. But now, about two weeks on, I don't really miss it anymore. I don't miss the, the doom scroll. It's nice not seeing what you're all thinking 24-7. <clears throat> maybe you need to fast from social media this Lent. Maybe there's a few apps you could delete from your phone. Um, are you a news junkie? Podcasts, cable news, are you consuming news all day, almost like a sport? Is it starting to get you down? Are you feeling tense? Is it raising your blood pressure? Are you seeing it make you angry? 
maybe the next 40 days can be a time to just turn it off or at least turn it down. Maybe stick with, you know, world news for an hour a night. Or take 30 days, get one of those free newspaper subscriptions, something to just kind of dial it down a little bit. Stay engaged, but not feeding off of it like an IV of negativity. What do you need to abstain from to experience some peace these next 40 days? If fasting is not your thing, you could try taking on a new practice, uh, maybe a spiritual exercise like prayer, meditation, journaling. Uh, maybe you came to the labyrinth this past Wednesday and you want some more of that. We're going to be doing that every other week through Lent. Um, I'll refer you again to these little prayer guides in your bulletins. If you're looking for something that's a guide, that's a prompt to spiritual practice, give this a try if it's helpful. There's other stuff. Uh, things like exercise, going on walks, spending time with friends and family. Maybe it's time to uh, see a therapist or hire a trainer. Anything to help bring a sense of peace and establish some healthy rhythms in our just incredibly hectic lives. Don't try to do too much. That's the, that's the other extreme. You don't want to make this a burden. But maybe choose one practice. And one thing to check, to abstain from, these next 40 days. Because God is not just another terror out there on the sea. Lent is not just another obligation heaped onto an already busy life. Jesus is willing to pass us by in this season of Lent if we'll let him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this season of Lent. Thank you for this time that forces us to hit pause, to slow down, and to reestablish some rhythms. God, we pray that you'd meet us in this season. We pray that you would pass us by and declare your peace. Help us to remember that you are with us in all things, Lord, and may that be a source of joy for us. It's your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.